Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Thank you, Dalian. Thank you. I hear no one say, So for us, for your pastors, Henny and Salome, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you that I can just come. I always say, what, what my heart is, is just to share the love of God with people, just so that you will go home and know how much He loves you. And I love what Rachel said in worship. We're all here because of the grace of God, because of God's grace towards us. And that is why the, the Holy Spirit is so faithful, because He always gives us a word in season. And the word that I want to share with you this morning is we're going to talk about the languages of grace the languages that we have received. So, you know, if I think about, we were talking about the week and everything, and I think about how wonderful it is to live this life in Jesus, to actually be able to walk with the Lord. I mean, here we left Joburg, and we actually left our family behind with Faith Hill Church. I was there last weekend, also ministry. We had the Designer Life Conference. And... What you have here is truly a safe place. And you only realize how safe this place is where you are with your church family when you leave it. And that is why I want to encourage you, this is the place where we become who God wants us to be, by serving each other, by loving each other. So we're going to talk about the language of grace. Our first scripture is John 1:16, and this was John talking about Jesus. He says, and of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. Now, this fullness is talking about and of his presence, of his riches, of his abundance. And look at what God does. We have all received. There's nobody excluded from this. And then verse 17 says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, what is grace? Family, grace is God's ability. It's his unmerited favor. Grace is actually the person of Jesus. And because of this grace, you and I have received a new life, a new reality. And because of this new life and this new reality, we have actually received a new language. Now, I went and looked up what does the word language means. It, and I always have to read this because it's just too much for me, so forgive me. It's the principal method of human communication consisting of words used in a structured and conventional way and conveyed by speech, writing, and gestures. So it's not just our words. Because of God's ability and his unmerited favor in my life, now I've got it received a new way of communicating. I have received new words. I've received new the way that I write. So just think about it practically when I WhatsApp someone or I message them. What I'm going to write to them? Am I going to convey that grace of God? And this is a commandment from Jesus. Okay. So we're going to use our words to actually basically change our lives. This is in my words for the language of grace. So the first language I want to share with you this morning is the language of love. And we've been speaking about love all this time, singing about God's love. John 15 verse 12 is Jesus is speaking here. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now this commandment of Jesus is not a set of rules. It's not regulations. It's a grace instruction. And I say always, when we connect with this grace instruction from Jesus, there's blessings in that for us. 
He said, love each other. How are we going to love each other, friends, in the same way that Jesus loved us? How did Jesus love us? He died on a cross for us. He gave his life for us. And this is the highest form of love. Verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay one's life down for his friends. What does God's kind of love look like? It always put others before myself. So now, I speak love. I write love and I show love. Now, so God's type of love is not self-seeking. It's the agape kind of love. It literally let me forget myself. Have you ever heard, we're all here when a hero has saved someone's life, then people would say, weren't you scared when you did this or that? And then he would say, no, no, at that moment I didn't think of myself. I literally just wanted to save this person's life. This is what Jesus wanted to do. He literally just wanted to save us. So God's love, what is the work, if we think about how is that practically going to look in my life? God's love is actually the antidote to selfishness and pride. It's impossible to overcome self by self. Ask me, I've tried that, it didn't work. It made me more pathetic and more broken, okay? How are we going to overcome this? By responding on God's love for us. This was the biggest revelation I've received in my life only at the age of 50. Even after loving God for 38 years, as a child of God, I always thought I heard from a pulpit he was angry with me. I'm never going to be good enough. We have to know that we know that God loves us, that he loves me personally. So the cross of Jesus was the biggest demonstration of God's love that the world has ever seen. Jesus made a decision regardless of his emotion. Jesus had emotions. We know that, hey, because he became sad, he became angry. But he, he, it was like he was so consumed with God's love that he didn't think about how he was feeling about going to the cross. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about the greatest story of love in the Bible from a human perspective. And this is the parable of the lost son. Now, my positive horror calls it the parable of the good, good father. And I actually love that because this is such a beautiful picture of what good father God is. Let's go to Luke 15. Um, I just want to give you a background because of time. I didn't ask any how much time I have, but anyway. Luke 15, we know the story. We know that this father had two sons, and the younger son is say, came, please give me my inheritance. I want to go live my life. What he basically said, you're not dying quick enough, okay? So just give me my inheritance. So we know what happened. He took his inheritance, and he went off to a far country, squandered everything, and then he actually ended up feeding pigs and maybe eating the pig's food as well. So our scripture, the first scripture is going to be Luke 15, 17. Listen to this, what this young man said to himself. He came to himself thinking, I've got another, um, sorry, thinking about the fact that his father's servant have food to eat and he doesn't, and he's perishing with hunger. And then he decided to go home. Now, the beauty of this story is, if I think in my mind, if your ch his child, his, this father's son has actually really hurt him on a very deep emotional level and rejecting him as a dad, all he wanted from him, he didn't want anything as a father, he wanted just his money. And he took and he went away. And I love the fact that at, there was a moment that this father's love was so big for this boy that he realized 
he realized that my father actually had a bigger life, a better life for me with him than what I was without him. Verse 20 says, he arose and came to his father. Listen to this. When he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. This is what God's type of love does. I can think of many things that this father could have done. What do you think you're doing? You walked away, stay away, you know, or how dare you come back to me? This is not what a father's love does. And this is what God does for us. A father's love makes a decision based on God's love for me. This is God's love in action, an abandoned father waiting for his son to come home. And this is what God does with us. He's always waiting for us. Like Henry said, no, no, he had a moment Friday night and the Lord was speaking to me. You don't have to do anything. Just come to me. Okay, God is always waiting for us. So because God loved us first, you and I can now speak that love. Our words has literally changed from words of maybe hurt, which words maybe of rejection, words maybe of defeat, but we are speaking words of love now. We are showing love to the world. And then our second language of, of grace is the language of hope. And there we have Ephesians 1 verse 18 and the Amplified. This is what many times when we think of someone who's hurting maybe our children, this is a prayer I love to pray over people. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center of your core and your being, may be enlightened. The word enlightened is saying flooded with light by the Holy Spirit so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. This word hope is the Greek word alpis. It means to anticipate with pleasure. Hope is something, it's like an expectation, a confidence, a trust. So we, because Jesus is our foundation of hope, he's our foundation of positive expectation, this changes everything for me. I don't know about you, church, but just, just the fact that because of Jesus we have hope. When the world have no hope, we have a positive expectation of something good. And our language of hope gives us this ability to change our words, to change our declarations. But because I can change my words, I have to open the eyes of my understanding. I have to be able to look into the supernatural word, world of God. I have to be able to see, and that is why I've learned in Bible school, what was so amazing for me, that this is why God gave us an imagination so that we can create this arena of hope, so that we can see new pictures, not the pictures that the world are painting for us, but we always have hope. People came to Jesus, why? Because they had an expectation that he can help them. That is why, and this is why we're going to read together from Mark 5 about the lady with the issue of blood, um, we know that she heard about Jesus. And in verse 27, Mark 5, 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now notice here, Jesus did not touch this woman. She came, she touched him. Now people with an aggressive type of faith, and I actually want to say with an aggressive type of hope, will always receive a miracle. 
because they made a demand on the Lord instead of waiting for him to do something. Because Jesus actually changed our whole environment of life. Remember with the disciples when they were in the storm? Jesus was actually going to walk past them. This was in Mark 6, and 48 and 49. But because they called out to him, he came to him. The same words with blind Bartimaeus in Mark 10. Twice he said, son of David, have mercy on me. The people told him to keep quiet, stop making a noise. But he still called out to Jesus. This is exactly what hope, hope does. And often people don't receive their miracles because they are too passive. We know Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Jesus said, <clears throat> My water. Mark 11.23, Jesus said, We have to speak to the mountain. Romans 10.10, We believe with our hearts. What do we do? We confess with our mouths. There's power in our words. And in verse 28, this woman said, For she said, If I may only touch his garment. Her miracle was in her words. And we have to know, church, that God's power is governed by laws. God says, you will have whatsoever you say. And this woman plugged into the power of God with her words. Our tongues, I have learned in my life, can work for me or against me. So this woman spoke her language of hope, of positive expectation. This woman's language of hope sealed her healing after suffering for 12 years. Our third language that we're going to talk about, and it's one of my favorites, is the language of faith. Romans 5 verse 2 in the King James says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Grace, again, grace means a gift, a benefit, a joy, the goodness of God. That's what God's grace is. That's what affords us joy. It gives us pleasure. It even says the grace of speech. We've received the grace of speech. So what is faith? We've received this grace. How? By faith. What is faith? I always say it's my positive response on God's grace. It's a positive response. So how are you and I going to get uh, access to this grace, to this? By faith. By using this language of faith. My faith is my voice of victory. Faith has a voice, and that voice creates my victory. Faith is spoken. You can almost say like faith is like a ticket. It's admission. It's, it's a ticket that gives you, you can come in. You can come to the movies. You can come to the opera. But you can come and receive whatever Jesus is by faith. Faith is, I always say faith is the equalizer of all men. It puts us on an equal plane. People will say, no, but I grew up in Africa. And uh, yes, that you had a rich dad. I didn't have that. No, faith. By faith, we can all be receive the same things from the Lord Jesus, only by faith. Our own good works will never grant us admission. It's God's grace. Romans 4 verse 17 says, God who gives life to the dead and call those things which do not exist as though they did. God's faith goes beyond sight. It goes beyond what we can see with our physical eyes. It operates supernaturally. And we have been equipped with God's faith. You know what was the, such a wonderful 
um, change in my life when I realized, because I have learned that you've got, Henny's got a lot of faith, but I don't. No, Romans 12 verse 3 says we've received the measure of faith. We've, I, you and I have God's kind of faith. We don't have our faith. That's natural faith. But we have given, been given God's faith. And the woman who used this type of faith, I want to use in the story of Ruth. Now we all know Naomi, who lost her husband and her sons, and she had the two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Oprah. And they weren't, they didn't know Ruth's God, uh, Naomi's God, really. I mean, they didn't. They just did with by experiencing Naomi. Ruth 1 verse 16 says, and then uh, Naomi told them, please go back to your, your families. I don't have any more sons. I'm going back to my people. But this is what Ruth said in Ruth 1.16. She said, but Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Now, these last words that Ruth spoke here, your God, my God, was to me her language of faith. And Ruth is for me the perfect picture of faith that works by love. But because she didn't know Naomi's God, but she experienced God through Naomi. She experienced Naomi's faith in her God, and that changed Ruth's whole life. Faith changes our words and our actions. In no other way. Just in the same way that it changed, cha changed Ruth's responses and reactions. If she didn't see God in Naomi's life, she would never have gone back with her. But she had hope when she experienced this God through Naomi's life. And this is the same what you and I can do for each other. We, people can experience what it looks like to believe God with everything in our hearts. Ruth received a new language, even if it was based on Naomi's faith. Isn't that just a beautiful story? And the other language of faith for me, is, which is so close to my heart, is the story of the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings 4. We know the story as well, Elisha. She, Elisha used to go through her town, uh, sh through Shunam, and... Um, she always used to feed Elijah, and then she said to her husband, let's build a room, an upper room for him, then at least he can come and sleep when he comes and minister there. So Elijah wanted to know, what can he do for this woman? And she said, I dwell with my people, nothing, I don't need anything. And Elijah asked Gehen, and then Gehazi told Elijah, told that she don't, they don't have children. And Elisha said, within a year, you'll have a son. She had the son. But when the son was about 12 years old, he was with his dad in the field, and he got very sick. And his dad, interesting, I love this part of the story, his father brought the boy to his mom. And she sat with him in a lap, it was midday, and he died. And what did she do? She took her dead son. She went up to the upper room where Elisha stayed, and she put the son on his bed. Why? In my mind, it's because she knew where God was. She saw that this was a prophet, this was a man of God. So she took her, all her hope was actually in what this God of Elijah could do for her. She left a dead boy there. And then she went to her husband and said she needs a donkey, she wants to go to the prophet. 2 Kings 4.23, so her husband said to her, why are you going to the prophet today? It's neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. What did she answer? It is well. Now, I get tears in my heart if I think about this mom. 
What would I have done that day when my boy died? Us as ladies, go to a friend. Cry with the people. Devastated. I can, I can just see this woman crying, screaming hysterically. Help me. Help me. She did not do that. She went and put her dead boy on Elisha's bed. And then she went. But she still, she didn't even tell her husband that his son was dead. Verse 26, she came to Elijah. Gehazi ran out to meet her and he asked her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And what did she say? It is well. This was her language of faith. You know, I, I, if we go to um, verse 34, we know that Elijah went back with her and he went and lay on the child. He put his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, his whole body like this. This to me is the gestures, because remember, our language are not just our words. It's what we do with our hands as well, what we do with our body as well. This was where the miracle started. That was Elisha's faith. But what was her faith? When he did this, with, he did it twice with the boy. The boy started sneezing seven times, and the child opened his eyes. But here's the moment of miracle for this woman. In verse 36, Elijah said to her, Pick up your son. Pick up your son. Her son died that day. He called her to say, Come and pick up your son. And she picked up her son. What are you and I going to do when we're in a situation with this, with something like this? What are we going to say? Are we going to pick up our son, even though he's dead? Are we going to believe that God will, will um, change anything for us in that moment? It depends on what we say about what we see, or what we feel, or what we experience. And the fourth language this morning is our language of victory. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14 in the Amplified says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us spreads and makes evident everywhere the sweet fragrance of the knowledge of him. This is exactly what our language of victory is going to do. It's going to spread. It's going to make evident everything that Jesus has done for us. This word triumph is the Greek word triumbeo, which Paul is speaking about how Jesus has triumphed over principalities. But if you look in Colossians 2 verse 5, 15 as well, this is actually talking about a triumphant procession. And you and I are part of the parade. And we are declaring of what Jesus has done for us. So this is how we make it evident by declaring by our words of victory, not speaking words of defeat or words of lack or words of just completely brokenness but speaking words of victory. Because our victory is in Christ, we have received this new language. Just by being a child of God, friends, we are victorious. We are not the one to lose. We are victors in Christ Jesus. Our victory is even unto death. And this we learn from Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. He says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now victory is the Greek word nikos and is talking about a conquest, triumph, victory, to utterly vanquish, 
to defeat thoroughly. And obviously, specifically, Paul is speaking about our victory over death. But I mean, we have completely, we are completely, utterly, thoroughly victorious in Jesus. And the most beautiful story that I could think of about our language of victory is the story of Gideon. If we go to Judges 7, we know the story about Gideon's people. The Lord wanted him to defeat the Midianites. But Gideon didn't think that he could do this, okay? So he had 32,000 men. And God said to him, all the people who skate tell them to go home. So 10,000 was left behind. And the Lord said, still, it's too many people. You know, if I just think about it, if, the Lord, if God comes to me and he tells me, I would, if I really trust him, I would think, well, God's got a plan. So why would I ask for him to do more and more and more for me? Okay. <clears throat> verse 7, then the Lord said to Gideon, Judges 7, verse 7, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you. Because then the guys had to go and show how they would drink the water. And then he was left behind with 300 people. So God is saying, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. What a God we serve. From 32,000 men to 300 men. This is less than 1% of the regional man, um, uh, amount, uh, number of people. You know, now Gideon, if I think about it, must, might have taken him some time. It's actually wonderful how the Lord worked with him. And sometimes our faith of victory, our language of victory, it takes us a while to get there. And this is the grace of God. He didn't leave Gideon behind there. Now, in verse 9, it says, It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it in your hand. For I have delivered So God says to him, Go to the camp. There's an answer for you. It's almost like your little last part of faith to believe me you will find there. So there were two men in conversation. And then the one was talking about a dream that he had. And in verse 14, his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God had delivered Midian and the whole camp. Isn't it incredible that the enemy had to tell Gideon that he was going to be the one to defeat the Midianites? It's amazing that this man interpreted the dream to mean that God was going to defeat them in the battle. Uh, God gave a dream to Gideon's enemy to confirm his success. This is how amazing our God is. We, we, there's just nobody or nothing in this world that can steal from us what Jesus has given us. It is by by speaking this language of victory. You know, I've, I've realized, Greg and I've realized just before when we came here, there's, there's, it's such a sneaky way that the devil has with us that you hear so much bad and sad and emotions, especially with us in the ministry, dealing with people every day. And it really is sneaky. Then one day you realize I'm speaking differently than what I used to. And that is, that is why this message is so important to me to realize that our words really have that power, that my victory often depends on what I am saying about it. Because we all know what God is saying about it. 
But, but it's got to, we have to come in line with what we're saying. And then in verse 15, when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped, then he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. So Gideon's language of victory consisted of two things here. What was the first thing he did? He worshipped. What is your language of victory? To worship. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Saying what he is saying about you. Saying what he is saying about, uh, about the circumstances. I mean, we will never say anything different if we just believe it. Gideon's word preceded the victory because he said it. He told the guys beforehand, we're going to beat them. Now, God spoke all these things to Gideon, okay, and by faith. Now, there was a few faith builders in this whole story. In the first place, there was the two signs of the fleeces. The one time the fleece he asked to be wet on the dry ground, and the next time it was the fleece had to be dry on the wet ground, and God did that. And, and then um, the dream. But the people that followed Gideon didn't have all these signs. Do you realize that they had the supernatural faith of God? It was God who caused them to trust and believe in Gideon, to believe that God will give it to them. Gideon said, the Lord has delivered. Victory was a done deal in his heart. Victory will be a done deal in our hearts today, every day of our lives. And then I want to close off this morning with the language of abundance. Henny spoke about John 10, 10. That's my favorite scripture. It changed my life to know that Jesus came to give us life and that life abundantly. It's talking, talking about a wholeness. It's not talking just about life. It's talking about as a person as well that I can be whole abundantly. And I think in the times that we live in, it's so wonderful to know that Jesus came to make me whole in this time as well. COVID didn't change Jesus. It didn't change his word. It didn't change what he came to give us. So the language of abundance, Second Peter 1 verse 3 in the Amplified, for his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? By knowing him who called us. You have to know. This is living from this divine power power starts with knowing that God is love, that he is good, and that he has given me this life in abundance. Now, this divine power is the Greek word dunamis, so it's talking about supernatural power. It's talking about God's mighty power, mighty works. And this word power, is a, this power is a free gift. But when I always, when I hear the word power, I hear the word grace because both of them are actually a free gift. It's all about who Jesus is. It's referring to Jesus' ability in your life and Jesus' ability in my life. And what does the word ability, the meaning for that is someone who possesses a skill or means to do something. And in my life, who possesses the skill and the means to do something is Jesus, because he's my source. He's our source. That's why, we, that's why we can live this life, because he's already given us everything. So because of someone, Jesus, you and I have the power and the ability to create life before, 
before anything happens. We can create life. Every single moment with our words, we can create life. But before we talk about the abundance of Jesus, I want to talk about something that's very evident and very real in our lives, and that's circumstances. I want to talk how we're going to deal with negative circumstances, and especially in the times we live in with negative financial circumstances. Now, we all experience negative circumstances. Some say it's because we live in a broken world. It's just the world that we live in. But what I want to say to you this morning to remember is circumstances does not determine your destiny. Circumstances cannot change God's plan for your life. Circumstances is only a reflection of my current location. You know the GPS with the location? It's, that's all that circumstances is. That is only a reflection of what is happening right now. Circumstances can also be a reflection of what I'm doing, what I'm not doing, but I want to say what I'm believing or what I'm not believing. Okay? But the good news is circumstances and facts can change. But truth can never change. So whenever we're in a negative circumstance, we can know that this is going to change. Let me give you a picture. My financial status can change for the worse. Instance, if I lose my job. Or the money in the world falls, you know, into a nothing, whatever. But my financial status can change for the better if I get an increase or if I inherit some money from a family member, or I receive an unexpected bonus, whatever it is. In other words, my financial circumstances can change like this within a moment. For better or for worse, without me creating that change. Circumstances changes all the time. And sometimes I say, thank you, Lord, for that, because it can change. But what is my truth? Truth will never change. Jesus has truly changed our options forever. I get to choose now. This is our truth. How I respond on those circumstances. I get to choose now what I'm going to do with those circumstances. Because it's not the circumstances that matters. It's my response on the circumstances that's going to matter. Because of Jesus, we now have authority over our finances. Because he says, give and it will be given unto you. Through God's grace and power, I can create actually and change a circumstance. This is the ability, not because of who I am, but because of who Jesus is in me. We must realize that God has given us his ability. He came to live on the inside of each. I mean, it's real. It's not nothing. Jesus was never moved by circumstances. He's always our picture of how to live life on earth. Jesus moved circumstances. And how did he move circumstances? By speaking to them. So by whose ability are we living? By God's ability. That means if Jesus could move circumstances, then you and I can do exactly the same. We have received a new language, a language of grace and power and a language of abundance. You know, if I just, every day I hear, I've lost something. I'm not good enough. You know, the prices, petrol prices are going up again. They're just laying people down at work. There's so much bad news. I can't afford food anymore. I can't do this. I can't do that. Can you hear the lack? Can you hear the negative words? 
We can speak those words because often it is our circumstances. But who's our reference point? Who's our location? Jesus is our location. He's changed everything. So we are going to... Jesus said in Matthew 17, verse 20, He said to His disciples, Because of your unbelief, assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there. It will move and nothing will be impossible for you. This is the grace message. Nothing will be impossible for you. You know what Jesus told to do, Peter to do? He said, go and fish for our taxes. You know, our words are the proverbial fishing rod that's going to catch that abundance. The more lack we're going to speak, the more lack we're going to experience. And this is the grace of God. This is the love of God to say, you don't have to do that. You have a choice. This is bad. You know, I always see Jesus saying, my child, I know this is hard. I know this is terrible. This is not my will for you, but you can get yourself out of this. Even if you just speak so that you can hear it and, you, and you, you're already, your whole, your whole being changes just to realize that there's something else for us. You know, if we think about this dying world, God wants us to go out there. I believe that every person in this place sitting is a kingdom financier. That's what God called us to be, to show this life of abundance. Not just wait for the day that we're going to get this life of abundance. No, He gave us this new language of grace. He gave us this language to speak and to write. We need to write those books. We need to write those things so that other people can hear what Jesus has done for them. That we don't have to suffer like the rest of the world. Our God, our Jesus gave us life in abundance. But we have to stand up, you know. Remember what Jesus did? Jesus was raised from the dead. He got up. And I often feel he's saying to us, stand up, get up, get out of that grave. We as a family had a terrible week with so much sadness. But you know, even in that, I can rejoice. Because God is still God in this place, in that hurt. God has given us, you know, Jesus, whenever he's, he said, he said, whenever he ministered to someone, he said, do you believe it? Because if you believe it, you can receive it. And I think this is what he's saying to us this morning. Just believe what I'm saying to you. But when you truly believe what I'm saying to you, it's time that you start saying what you're believing. Comparing to, we've received, we've heard now a language of love, a language of hope, a language of faith. A language of victory. We are victors in this life. And a language of abundance. You know, if I, I try to, since God deposited this word in my heart, is, is to think about it physically. How am I going to administer this every day? So may, may the word of God, it's really the prayer of my heart, just make you excited of being a child of God make you realize again what we have. Because God never gives us a word to condemn us, to tell us. It's not, we, we don't have time for this. We've got so much to do in this world. I call you abundant this morning. I call you rich in Christ this morning. I call you life changes this morning. I call you healed and whole this morning. 
I call you victorious this morning. God has got a call on your life, each and every one of you. And, and all we have to do to, is to respond on his life and to say, God, I love you too. Because we don't even have to love out of our own human love. It's impossible. It's impossible to live this life without Jesus. And he's given us everything. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that you love us this much. Thank you that you love us that much. Thank you that you are calling. Father God, I see how you are placing people on mountains this morning. You are not in a valley anymore. God says in Psalms 23, he says, we're going through the valley of death. We're not called to get stuck. We're not called to die in this place. We're called to love and to show people his love. Thank you, Father, that you have equipped us. Thank you, Father God. Holy Spirit, that you are depositing new businesses in people's minds right now. Thank you, Father God, for witty inventions. Thank you for new dreams and new visions. Thank you, Lord, that you are always taking us higher. God, we want to say this morning, we honor you. We love you. We want to glorify you with our lives. Thank you that we are healed. Thank you that no sickness can come nigh our dwelling in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that nobody can steal from us. Thank you that we can come and live in our Jesus bubble where we have everything. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your love. We just want to live for you this morning. I just bless you all in the name of Jesus. Go and live that life that Jesus called you to live in Jesus' name. You are blessed. You are anointed. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.